Again, I'll say it's really good to be here. Uh, it's really good to see what God's been doing throughout uh, the country. Josh Jen, uh, lovely to see folks that uh, we had the privilege of spending time with uh, and uh, looking at them coming into eldership, now on eldership. And uh, when I saw Skulk standing here again, he's got a double up in Namibia. thought these two, they better not get up to nonsense because the one will think it's the other one. Uh, they... They look so similar. <clears throat> but I do believe that there's something in God that uh, there's something in God that I believe he's that's fine. That he's releasing thanks, that's that's hundreds. That he's releasing through his body the church. Uh, it's not uh, that it's a new thing. Um, but I do believe that there is something that has been given to us in a, a sense of uh, a privilege. We've, uh, as Josh Jen experienced, unbelievable um, growth uh, for whatever reason. <clears throat> and I've kept saying to the churches and to the leaders of the congregations, just with all your heart, aim high, stay low, glorify Jesus. Aim high, stay low, Glorify Jesus. And uh, yes, Pammy and I have now been uh, 43 years in the ministry, uh, 43 years married, uh, had uh, a lot of legacy, but we've all, we're still trusting God for more destiny uh, along with his church. And so, uh, if anything, I'd like to <clears throat> encourage you this morning uh, in the things of God. Yes, it was colon cancer just more than a year ago. Collapsed, went in, removed the cancer from the colon. And then they found out it had spread to the liver. Then took a big chunk of the liver out. And then they found out that uh, it's gone to the entrance to uh, some other part of the body. And then it's somewhere else. I said, that's fine. I'm here. you yeah. Uh, let's just keep on with what God is saying and doing. <clears throat> and I do want to uh, honor Pam. Uh, in uh, the way she uh, brings me faithfully my barley green in the morning. Oh, yeah, barley green. But uh, I fell into it. I used to always say to her, no, I'll take that stuff when I get ill. And uh, now I'm into this barley loss. Um, actually, it doesn't taste that bad. It's almost tasteless. You know? It just looks so horrific, like it's grown somewhere. Um so, uh, yeah, if anything, if I could give just a word to what I'd like to share this morning, maybe I'll take you up on this chair offer, and uh, it's uh, in this life, and uh, I feel, Massey, I feel it is important that in this life, whatever God gives, faith demands that we take. Um, so people have said, you know, God gives. I said, oh, well, that's half of it. <clears throat> so very often when we're traveling around the world, and uh, uh, Andrew and I did initiate uh, uh, travel together, and then it just got out of hand, and so we had to be in different places at different times. Uh, but God willing, we're going to look at being together now uh, at the end of the month in Europe, God willing, if the Lord uh, allows that to take place. But uh, the Lord gives you something but it's our responsibility to take it. 
And uh, we know what Jesus said, in this life you will have. And if I look back, uh, it's not you will have everything you want, but you will have whatever's going to be necessary <clears throat> to conform you to the image of his son, Christ Jesus. And it's as if he's saying, now, we'll just hold on to that. All things are going to work together for the good of them who love the Lord. Uh, it's, <clears throat> it's one thing reading those passages of the scripture. <clears throat> but it's another thing to actually flesh it out. So, of course, Paul writes the church at Thessalonica and he says, now, <clears throat> rejoice always. Um, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. So, yeah, that's great. You know, I can remember Pammy and I were basking in the sun in the Mediterranean. And uh, it was wonderful. All of a sudden, a breeze comes up that turns into a storm. And the one minute you're basking in the sun, and uh, the next minute you've been smashed about on the rocks, you know. You say, what on earth is going on now? And so I love what Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, because Timothy got to a position where he was feeling, well, this is only happening to me. <laughs> Paul says to Timothy, listen, Timothy, I think it's time for you to smell the roses. You need to grow up a bit. It's happening to everybody everywhere in the world. Um, <clears throat> that you're not a unique case. And uh, right now, Pammy and I have been <clears throat> praying for folk. She was more so now. Maybe it's because the age, you know, you keep getting older. I don't know how I got to this age. I, I, was, um, <clears throat> I was chatting to somebody now this last weekend. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're asking, did you do this and did you do that? And I've got to stop and think now. It's so far back. Um, you know, I said, no, nah, I, I did surf. And they said, yeah. I said, yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, but we only had one one uh, skeg on our surfboards. So it wasn't that big that two of you had to carry it into the water. That was the generation before me. But uh, my, my passion was surfing and racing motorcycles. Um, but it was another life. And then the Lord wonderfully broke into my life there. So that with the medication now, um, I actually asked the uh, one of our members at the Josh Jen Sunningdale uh, morning congregation, who's a doctor, and she's got my pal care or whatever they call it now, um, palliative care. And, and so when she was leaving the house, I said to her, uh, have, have you ever heard of a medication called Welconol? She said, I seem to recall that. I said, no, that's the stuff you need to get me on to. You know? So she giggled. She said, I think they've taken that off. I said, I know they have. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know. Uh, it was for extreme geriatric with terminal disease. Because <clears throat> that didn't only allow you to see uh, these multicolored elephants. And believe me, it did. Um, uh, and it was unbelievable. But but the, the elephants had the, the, the... There's a reason for me sharing this, by the way. The elephants had the, like the, the colors of the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And so it would come into a person too. So once you've had one of these, for no other reason than having one as a young Philistine, uh, and, and uh, mixing it together with stuff that uh, you, you smoked but you didn't buy in a cafe. Uh, so... You know, everything was distorted, but it was magnificent. Uh, 
you 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 felt as though you were there, um, but that you didn't belong. You know, Paul speaks about that. He says, you know, sometimes we've got it wrong. Sometimes we think we're essentially human beings having a temporary spiritual experience. He says, we're not. We're essentially spirit beings having a temporary human experience. And so right now, this whole thing, God has given us stuff. Um, and he's given us stuff that he wants us to take. Uh, you know, some people have said, no, 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 I'm, I'm happy just to be a bum on a seat. Well, that's not just you. And we have, Andrew and I have told many, many folks in the nicest way possible. Now, the church you're looking for is actually down the road. You know, don't, don't bother about coming back here again. And folks who don't say that, so no, we do say that. Because some folk want to be in the faith, but they don't want to be in the fight. And, you know, the kingdom is all about the fight. Um, but if it's not in a, a, a rude way, a brash way, it's not in a legalistic, bombastic way, but, but the fight has to do with being intentional about taking hold of what God has taken hold of me for. And so there's this, he's going to give you something. But for you to possess it, you must take it. Um, that's why faith is so important. And without faith, we can't please God. And so in your life right now, I want you to know there's stuff that God wants you to take. Uh, he wants you to have. He wants you to possess. Um, he, he wants you to enter into. But you've got to take it. And uh, yeah, thanks, Rich. It is God's grace, though, and a great understanding wife, you know. Um, but there, there is something of, uh, I don't know how you're going through this. And I say, no, you won't until you have to go through it. And so I remember just before my son's 21st, as many of you know, when he was tragically killed on a motorcycle, where a truck just drove out of a driveway and, and took his life. But I mean, it's not that God wasn't in control. But then you've got to line all the truths of God's word up and you've got to make sure that you're not, which I want to touch on, you, you're not secured in the fact that everything's going well, but that you're secured in the fact that irrespective of whether things go well, there's something that is giving you assurance. And uh, when one looks at taking hold of what God has taken hold of us for, uh, there's, there's an unseen uh, element that comes from uh, Genesis through to uh, Revelation that God wants us to be front-footed in. And this is why even with Jesus, he had to remind himself, the psalmist, David, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? You know, when I first came to the Lord, when I read the book of Psalms, um, I thought to myself, this guy has serious schizophrenia. You know, the one minute he's up, Praise God, hallelujah, you know. Next minute he's down and he's in the mud and he's going through desperate pits and, you know, stuff's wrapped around him and then he's back up again. I think, you know, these are drastic shifts emotionally, you know. Um, but what I've realized is that that same man was called a man after God's own heart. Because there was something that he realized, and it's what Pam and I have been talking about of late, this thing of, of we need to take what God has given. But to take what God has given, Richard started by saying, you've got to be courageous. You've got to be brave. Because 
if God's going to give you something, the demonic know there's a purpose in it. God doesn't do anything without there being a purpose. There'll be a purpose in it. And so even now we've got folks, one of our guys leading a work in uh, East London just being seriously diagnosed. I still joke to them. I said, you blighter, you're like jumping the queue now. You know, wait for me to go before you jump in front of me in the queue, you know. But it, it came out of, shot out of the dark. Younger than me, fit, not an ounce of extra fat. Also loves his surfing. Um, and, and then there's another person, be careful surfers, another surfer, all of a sudden leads another one of our congregations um, who has been diagnosed with severe uh, leukemia, been on unbelievable medication, horrific stuff. Um, and yet he keeps on keeping on. Um, so when I go to his town, I stay with him, and we interact all the time, uh, building each other up. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is that you would settle this. Now, I want to say the consolation I have when I look at the young folks, my consolation is I was as you are. I was just like you. Yeah, I was full of nonsense and energy and, yeah, and dreams. You know, the fact that when Pam married, I said, you know, we're going to plant churches. Here we go, boy. And so we went around South Africa and we planted five churches, you know, buying the land and putting up the buildings. The one that's a little different was buying the new metro cinemas in Seapoint. Um, that is slightly different. Um, and bringing that into being. But it's because we believed that it was a God thing. We believed God had given it, but now we must take it. And uh, I want to just say to you, uh, well, let's just read quickly. Joshua uh, chapter 1, and I'm going to really, don't worry, I'm going to cut, just drop you three pointers here. Um, in Joshua chapter 1, is that going up? Can we get it? Oh, I don't think I gave it. Oh, Joshua 1 verse 1 to 11. Um, Joshua 1 verse 1 to 11, I'm going to read for you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, uh, he was Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. Now watch her, that I'm about to give them. Okay. Oh, praise God. God's giving us a land, you know. Yeah. That I'm going to give to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you put your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. And now he's giving me something, and now he's telling me, be strong and courageous. And then he goes into verse 7 and says, now, I don't think you heard me the first time. Verse 7, he says, now be strong and very courageous. Now, he's putting something there that uh, is emphasizing a need to, to take hold of this thing seriously. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law. Of course, it was scripture you find in the New Testament, and they gave of themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now keep this book of the law always on your lips. 
meditate on it day and night. I think we as a church, we, we err a bit in those areas. We, we need to give ourselves more to the Word, get more into the Word, so that the Word can get into us. Um, and uh, we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. Uh, he says, but I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Okay. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Speak it. Meditate on it so that you be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you're going to cross the Jordan and go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Now, I want to say as exciting as being given something by God is, likewise so is the challenge to possess it. Um, <laughs> you know, if I think of um, in our culture, it's the man that proposes to the woman. I stood back many times and I thought, I think I was hoodwinked here. I didn't choose anything. I think she chose me and got me to think that I chose her. I think that's how they work, you know. Um, but you know, there's something um, that we need to feel, in a sense, God has given, but I need to take. And when you take, I, I need to maintain. Uh, I, I, I need to secure. Uh, and we find that this is very much how it is with the Lord. So once you've got something, uh, I want you to know the, the devil's not overly concerned that you've got something. The devil's overly concerned with what you're going to do with what you've got. See, that's what's important. And what I mean by that is, you know, they said that even the cockroaches, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the cockroaches out of that atomic, those two atomic bombs were of the survivors. I mean, can you believe it? But uh, I don't know what the guy has in his spray cans where we come from in Edgemead, but he only sorts them out when he comes around. But, but what they've said is, although they can't kill them, those there, what they do is they give them something they love to eat and it makes them infertile. See, that's clever. So it's not that we are, it's that you don't reproduce your presence here. And that's why the Lord says, I want you to reproduce. I want you to go into all the world. I want you to establish a presence in every place. Um, but the minute God gives us something, and it's just this first little point, I want to say to you, there will be a problem that will confront you. A problem's going to confront you. So, um, with, with, with all breakthrough in life, there'll be confrontation. And we read Jesus saying again and again to the churches in Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3, to those who overcome. So there's something to overcome. So I, I must be intentional. Uh, I believe this is something God has for me and something that I'm going to take hold of. Um, you know, I, I joke, Pam says, yeah, you know, you were still very young, but it, it's true, but I was out of school very young. 
Um, so by the time I'd got to, in my early 20s, I'd already spent a lot of my life out there. Um, but this young guy who was keen on Pam, he just wouldn't let up, you know. And uh, I was busy, you know, doing the good act before the wedding. I was busy uh, rebuilding her brother's motor, actually. Putting a motor back in, you know, setting the rings and the valves, and um, with a friend of mine. And you know, I see these two legs here because I'm lying under the car now, connecting the bell housing up. And I see, I wonder who these legs belong to, you know. So I like shift out uh, on my piece of cardboard, and yet he stands, he says, and I recognize him, this young athletic guy, you know. He was a top athlete, apparently, but he had, he had the chance for Pam. And uh, I, I said to him, can I help you? But I recognized him. He said, uh, yeah, I've come to visit Pam. I said, hey, hey, I want you to understand something. She's engaged, you know, engaged. And he looks at me, the blighter, he said, she's not married yet. <laughs> Without realizing, I mean, it wasn't intense. I jumped out from under the car, but I forgot that I had the ring set spanner in my hand, you know. So he looked at this and off he took, you know. Uh, out the front, I mean, that was silly. You know, it was just a spanner in my hand. But, but I, I, be, I believed that this was something God had given to me intentionally because of the way it came about, miraculously so. Now I need to take it. I thought, you know, don't people understand? And you know, so it is with the demonic. If there's something that they see is going to cause um, discomfort for them or is going to cause a, a breakdown in, in what has given, been given to them to secure. Uh, I want you to know they're going to create a scenario in your life that is just two things in mind, to distract and to inject fear. Fear is prime motivating, negative motivating factor. See, fear cancels faith. And without faith, you can't please God. So he knows. So he wants to bring fear into you. So the thing that I've had to counsel many folk now uh, in sickness and all kinds of things is be careful what you do with fear. Because you've you, you got to believe somebody. Either you're going to believe God or you're going to believe the enemy. And when I go into fear, I'm putting my confidence in the devil's ability. That's fear. So, so I, I need to counter fear with the love of God. The love of God will cast out all fear. So I need to secure myself in something God has given me. And uh, the minute I've realized God has given me something, I need to understand that something's going to confront it. Um, and so just quickly, and I want to just pull out three small passages of Habakkuk, how he had to move through. God had given him something. He saw it, I mean, even with Joshua, but it, 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 it was of such a nature it caused him to go onto his back foot. And you see, people say, oh, we need to react positively. You can't react positively. You can only respond. You, you'll always react negatively. We need to respond in the opposite spirit. Uh, you, you'll always uh, uh, react in the same spirit. Um, so there's this that I need to understand there's, there'll be a problem that'll confront. And now with Habakkuk, in, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, can we put that up? 
Can we secure that? Habakkuk 1, verse 1 to 4. It, uh, it's a, actually a lovely passage of Scripture. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received from the Lord in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence. Now look at this in the light of South Africa. You're not listening. Violence. I cry, but you don't come to save. Verse 3 and 4. Must I forever see the sin and misery all around me? Uh, wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Watch her. The law has become paralyzed and useless. I mean, you know, I had somebody in the car with me yesterday from Malawi. And as we got the traffic light, the taxi just came through. So he says to me, uh, they don't listen to the lights. Eh? They don't do anything with the lights. Um, you know, the laws become paralyzed and useless. And there's no justice given in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous. And justice is perverted with bribes and trickery. So, so Habakkuk had a, had a, had a, had a, a situation. Uh, there was something that confronted him. A problem. We've got our problems. Habakkuk had his problem. The only reason I'm picking on Habakkuk is just to show from chapter 1 to chapter 3. So we've got to move from chapter 1 to chapter 3 continually in life, processing problems that will confront us. Now, years ago, uh, 20 whatever odd years ago, there was something that confronted us. Our son was taken from us. I pray and trust that nobody will ever have to have a child taken from us. Never, never. And then as life's unfolded, there have been different challenges and um, issues that have confronted us. But then, as Pam said, all of a sudden, this thing now has confronted us. But either I can become anesthetized, paralyzed by fear. This is a great car. You know? I say, yeah. What is a great car? Oh, young. So somebody said to me when I came back from my last blood report, did you get good results or bad results? I said, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It depends on who's asking. If if I'm, if the Lord says, did you get good results? I'm saying, no, just bad results. So the Lord says, oh, I thought that you earnestly desire to be with me and see my second coming, you know. So yeah, it's still bad results, you know. Um, be, be, now we need to be honest and so um, a friend of mine who headed up the assembly of God good friends he, he contacts me regularly now because he's got very advanced cancer and so he's been told he's going to possibly slip away before me so now in our last phone call oh he's funny he says to me you know from a little child we've been learning about Sunday school and about heaven and singing, heaven is a wonderful place, you know. And I said, yeah, yeah, I remember those songs. Eh? He said, oh, this lovely place, heaven. Eh? He says, but the only thing that confuses me is nobody wants to go there. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, it's true. But in all fairness, it's because this is the only place we know. Now, I haven't been over there. I had those two situations in theater where they told me I came and went twice and they kick-started me twice. But I haven't been there. But but does that mean I, I put aside a purpose that I believe God has for me? No, there'll be a problem that'll confront me. Habakkuk, there's this problem. Yes, Lord, but I want you to know I've been pressing into you. I've been waiting for you to answer me. I've been waiting for you to bring breakthrough. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. And nothing. And many people are getting life. 
I've been waiting and trusting and there's been prophecies and words have been given and, and you know, these churches and you go, you know, it's hang your crutches up at the door. You know, all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Embarrassed. Now I'm going home with my crutches again. All kinds of stuff. I thought well, it could be fantastic. You know, if your crutches are hanging at the door, you know, leave them at the door if you don't need them. If you need them, take them home with you, you know. I said to some folks a little while ago in Europe, I said, you know, this thing with Prozac, hey, it's taken over. I said to our pharmacist in the edge means, I said, uh, how many people are on medication? He looked around, he said, many. I said, you mean many? He said, no, many. So I said to Pamu, we were in a little group chatting. I said, you know, I've never even, I've never ever had to take anything. Pam's a job, but everybody else around you has had to take stuff. <laughs> so... Okay, just quickly, there'll be a problem that'll confront you. I'll assure you that. If you want to lock into the purpose of God, something's going to confront you. Um, and don't think by playing in the shadows, you'll uh, uh, say to the devil, listen, I'll stay in the shadows. Don't worry about me. I won't worry about you. I won't trouble you. You don't trouble me. No, 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 no. You've got to walk in the light as he's in the light. You don't go in the shadows. He lives in the shadows. And so there's this problem uh, that's going to confront you in the midst of it. I just want to drop the second point is, but in the midst of it, when you're confronted with something, and I want you to know, folks, you will be, even in areas of health, nobody. Say it quietly to yourself. Nobody gets out of this life alive. Nobody. Settle it. You know? Uh, I mean, that's the bottom line. So this, this truth here that when I don't know what to say about the unknown. I don't know what to say about the fact that I've been told that I've got this cancer in my body. But I'm not going around focusing on that. I'm not dying from cancer. I'm living with cancer. So when you don't know what to say about the unknown, restate what you know about the known. I don't know what to say about the passing on of our son. I don't know what to say about a whole lot of things that we've had to go through. I don't know what to say about this thing that I've been afflicted with and my good friend uh, Donnie and my good friend uh, Emsley and my good friend Alan. And, and I said to my, my oncologist, I said, if I could have a prayer for you. And he sits back now. He says, oh, boor. I said, doctor, if I could have a prayer for you, this is what my prayer would be. Father God, please, let this good man die from a serious heart attack at midnight so he doesn't have to go through this chemo. He checks me out. I said, I said, believe me, that's a good prayer. So when you don't know what to say about the unknown, restate what you do know about the known. What do I know? I know that he's faithful. I know that he's just. I know that he's kind. I know that he's loving. I know that he's in control. I know that he's gone to prepare a place for me and my son and my wife and all the others who know and love him, that where he is, we're going to be also. I don't know what to say about the unknown. And you'll get to a point in your life, folks, where you won't either. But then you must restate what you know about the known. Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. And so... Not only is there a problem that will confront you, but I guarantee you, in your mind, your mind, you'll play games in your mind, there'll be a paradox that will confuse you. 
paradox. If God is, then how can this happen? So, uh, it happened many years ago in a garden called Eden. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with God. God said the day you eat that off. Yeah, well, uh, that was Adam that ate that. Yeah, it's proven with this whole thing of the sin factor uh, that is passed down through mankind that's invisible. It says we conceived in sin. That if the person in the garden was Will and Pam and not Adam and Eve, everybody in eternity will be lining up to meet Will and Pam. How could you have brought this upon us? Say, no, 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 no. The paradox that confuses this, this whole thing. If God is, is a good God, a loving God, a just God, a kind God, how can he? Now I say to folks, I want you to know, in his love and in his kindness and in his mercy, he has made a way possible for us who are mortal to become immortal. I love this, you know, where the, the guy comes out of the sea with a trident on and some of the elders in Josh Jen, there's an old one with Guy where his boss cusses now, Uncus. And uh, some of you must have seen that photograph of, of uh, what's his name coming out the ocean with his trident? Aquaman. Yeah, they said, yeah, the whole world. Eh? And they said, with this old panel beaded body coming out, you know. I said, yeah. But it's those who are sown mortal, you're going to be raised immortal. Perishable, imperishable. Temporal, eternal. When we see him, we're going to be made like him. I don't know what to say about the unknown. But let me tell you what I do know. Folks, I want you to know that will keep you. That will secure you. Uh, it says concerning Jesus, he scorned and he despised what he had to go through because of the joy that was set before him. Didn't focus on what he didn't know. Focused on what he did know. In the midst of this, am I putting down faith for healing? Oh, no, 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 no. no. I mean, we... We're frankfurted. We're right there. I'm trusting God for him. But is my life going to fall apart if I don't get healed? No. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> no. I want to say there's something in God we've got to secure ourselves in. The world's watching the church. And it's important how we live, but it's also important how we transition. Now, if I'm hanging on, and, oh, 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 and I've been with people at the end like that, I'm saying, man, who are you going to? You know, and, and, and take comfort in the fact nobody gets out of here alive. You know, you've got to go through the door. I hope you secured the door. So there's this paradox that confuses. Pammy just finished a book by Corrie Temboom. Hey. And her sister, what is this? Becky. Becky. Who's Becky? Betsy. Oh, yeah. And so she reads it to me. You know, I'm trying to get comfortable. Oh, yeah, a little bit of man flu, you know. So I just get a little more empathy. I give a little more of the... And then she says, listen to this, listen to this. No, no, don't retract from my time, you know. It's my time now. And then she reads about Corrie ten Boom and her sister Betsy in the Nazi concentration camps. Oh, she, she. Then I'm wondering if I'm saved by the time she's finished reading this book. <laughs> Jesus says the biggest problem with, with going wasn't that God the Father hadn't given it to them. It's that they grumbled. 
So do another 40 years in the desert then, man. So no, no, I don't want to go another 40 years in the desert. But I, I, I want to, I want to live a life that doesn't only believe in God, but that believes God. It says even the demons believe in God. Now, I, I want to show the world I believe God. And let, let me tell you, when you've got grandkids like we've got, you don't want to go anywhere. Those two grandsons of mine just want pump up, boy. And their hands are in my pockets as they run towards me because Papa's got sweets in his pockets. I mean, I, I don't want to go anywhere. Let me tell you, you think you've besotted with your own kids. Just wait until you have grandkids. Oh, yeah, that's the end of it. And so there's a paradox. There's this, I haven't got time to even go. There's this paradox that confuses, but lastly, and I thank God for this, there's a procedure that consoles. Wonderful procedure. In Habakkuk 2, I wonder if we could just see there, uh, verse 1 to 3. Um, Habakkuk 2, verse 1 to 3, and then I just want to pull one more out of Habakkuk in chapter 3. But Habakkuk 2, where he says, I'm going to get up to higher heights. I will climb up into my watchtower. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've got all these facts and uh, all this situation I'm confronting, and I'm God's prophet, and He doesn't hide anything from His prophets. And and God has said, even now I'm going to tell you this: you're not going to believe me. I'm bringing the Babylonians down from the north. I know they're bad. The Habakkuk says, no, no, they're not bad. They 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 are the pits. I, I know as as Israel. I, I know we're not perfect, but we're not them. Hey, we do this. Eh? Oh yeah. We compare ourselves to the worst. God says, hey, hey, Habakkuk, I want you to know my people keep going back into idol worship. When I'm finished with them, they'll never go into idolatry again. You think 722 with the Assyrians is one thing. Watch me wipe the bowl clean now with the Babylonians in 587. And this was now. Habakkuk says, no. He says, this paradox is blowing my mind. Uh, I know we're not perfect, but we're not as bad as they are. But yet forget. Ons is die verbondsvolk. Ja. Ons is die verbondsvolk. Met die doopseel en klaar aangeneem. I mean, asjeblief. Dis wat Hebekek was saan. Ja. And God says, Hebekek, I just want you to know that what comes second to my glory is your comfort. I'm going to do what I need to do so that I can purify my church and glorify my name. So Paul the Apostle says, therefore we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. But that's not going to happen until this takes place here. He says, I'm going to get into my tower and see what the Lord will say to me and how he will answer my complaint. He's going to answer my complaint. What actually comes out in the Hebrew is, Habakkuk is saying to the Lord, I'm going to tell you what I think. No, 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 you'll have your turn. When I've finished speaking, then you can speak. <laughs> Big mistake. Yeah. Because if one looks at Job, those are the exact words of Job. And the response that Habakkuk makes, or reaction, is the same that Job. He says, I put my hand to my mouth. Rottenness enters my bones. I should never have spoken. You know, I was set up for this. This thing here, the procedure, is something we've got to go through. And it has to do with revelation. You see, revelation 
changes everything. Revelation doesn't secure you in this life. Now, revelation secures you in him, whether in this life or the next. Now, revelation, the end result of revelation isn't to increase knowledge. Okay, Habakkuk, come here. I'll, 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 I'll let you in. I'll let you in on it. This is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it, and, and I'll do it. But don't worry. Um, I've got something. There, there's something. There's, there's two guys, uh, and uh, uh, I'm going to use these two guys, Ezra and Nehemiah, but, but I'm going to make sure that, that when, when Nehemiah is in the court, that uh, the queen mother, who's going to sit on the throne, is going to be Jewish. You don't even realize it. Esther was Jewish. And the queen never sat next to the king. Now, the, if the queen came in, the queen came in, and the king didn't raise his scepter, that is the end of her. So that's why when Esther came in, he had to raise his scepter. No, but when, when the, 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 the queen, uh, the, the, the previous king passes on, his wife doesn't fulfill the role next to him. His mother does. You go read in Nehemiah, the, the king's mother was next to him. And the king challenged him, said, why are you so downcast? What's going on here? I want to say, when we secure ourselves in God, <laughs> the magnificence of God, I mean, just this evening if the weather changes, just get yourself a little uh, light mattress and crawl on top of your garage and look at the stars. You know, look at that little lost uh, Russian Sputnik that's been trying to find its way for the last 60 years. You know. Look at the, 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 the falling stars, shooting stars. Uh, I mean, look at the constellation. Look out towards the Milky Way now. You'll, you'll get there. Look at the Milky Way now and realize that the narrowest part of the Milky Way, it'll take a, a hundred thousand years, a hundred thousand years at 168,000 miles a second to cross the narrowest part of our Milky Way. And yet he knows everyone by name, knows your DNA, knows your voice resonance. He says, oh, Will speaking there in Somerset West this morning. He knows your, your retina uh, and uh, your eye composition. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. I mean, Jesus just stretches it further all the time. When this revelation comes to Habakkuk, God suddenly opens up. You'll see through chapter 3. Let's just go to chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. God just opens up and shows him his magnificence, shows him coming through the rivers and breaking the seas open on his chariots, the chariots of fire and the blades of destruction going before him. And he says here in, in, in Habakkuk chapter 3, once this revelation comes, in verse 16, I trembled inside me when I heard all of this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming uh, day when disaster will strike the people who invade us, even though the fig tree does not blossom. 
and there be no grape on the vine. Everything appears useless. If everything's going contrary to what I thought, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and, and the, the cattle barns are empty, yet will I, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So revelation doesn't increase knowledge. Revelation, true revelation of the magnificence of God brings us to worship. Abandonment. Even though, even though, the world's watching the church. Even though. Yes, I'm not only going to be in the faith. I want to be in the fight. Lord Jeremiah. Lord, I need your grace. I need your mercy. Maybe my son has been on drugs. Oh, my mom was a Philistine. She didn't even know the Lord. And this, I was staying in the back room for a while. And, um, you know, if I think of what a mother's heart goes through, you find your son lying in that condition. Uh, it's just. But, you know, when you look back, I say, if God could do that for me, the day he changed me was, I ended up the only job I could get, and I closed with this. Was a passenger in a fidelity guard van. You must know you bet. Um, I had to take the case. He'd stop and he'd t- tap me. Get out, go at the door, little thing there, slide it out. Going to garlics in East London. Some of your older generation, garlics. And as I put this box into the hole in the back of garlics, as I was putting it in, this woman grabbed my hand. I got such a fright. You know, when you're in that state mentally and somebody grabs your hand, you know, and she said, you don't belong here. I thought, that's a strange thing for somebody to say to me, you know. Anyway, I got the box and I went back in. You know, it never left me. When revelation comes, changes everything. Even better than your Welkinals and your elephants, your multi colors. It just it changes everything. It doesn't make you feel all lovely, but it just keeps you in the purpose of God. When you don't know what to say about the unknown, you restate what you know about the known. I know my God is faithful. I know my God is loving and kind. Now, I don't know what you're going through. But this I do know, statistically, with the amount of you are in you. This I do know, that there'll be some of you are going through something. Could be emotionally. Could be mentally. Could be physically. Could be spiritually. Maybe some of you got to a point where you, you just feel like you can burst into tears. It's just it's got too much. Do you need a captain? Signal them to Jesus. See, unless you become his little children. Pam said to me, you know, the thing that's going to take you through this now, in the last two or three days, she said it to me, it's going to be his strength. She said, you know, well, you've been so strong. Been such a strong person. You know, out there buying land, putting up buildings, blade between your knee teeth, cutting the nations. You know, or you're just trailblazing. 
but now in your weakness. He wants to show his strength because you couldn't do that before. I thought, what a twit I was. Eh? Maybe so much was accomplished. So much could have been accomplished. And the Lord has been wonderfully good. But for you today, I want you to know that he is so passionate for you. And you know, the old man has to come and the old man has to go. But one thing I know is this, that there'll be others you'll be coming through. There'll be others you're coming through. Even though the fig tree does not blossom for you now and there'll be no fruit on the vine. Get alone in your watchtower. Habakkuk chapter 2. Say, Lord, I need to get alone with you. I can't fathom this out anymore. And most of the time I'm feeling exhausted with what I'm being confronted with in life. So it's continual confrontation. The Lord says, come cast it upon me. I care for you.